Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. I'm really excited to have in studio today one of our partners for the practice, Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a doctor and infectious disease specialist, Dr. Andrew Puglisi, that uh, we've worked with on a number of occasions over the years, and I'm happy to be partnering with him. He'll be on the show on a regular basis, contributing content, introducing us to uh, cool topics and uh, people along the way that he interfaces with through his work and practice. So, Andrew, thanks for taking some time to jump in and become a part of the show like you're doing. It's great. Thank you, CW. Uh, it's a real honor to be here. Um, in the past, we've talked about several different topics. Uh, as CW has said, I'm an infectious disease specialist uh, by trade, but uh, one of my interests is in preventive medicine. Um, we see so many more chronic diseases today as compared to 50 years ago. And because of that, um, we need to look at alternatives and adjuncts to just medical therapies alone. One of the things uh, that I'm very interested in is exercise. Um, when we look through history, uh, let's say the Amish, for instance, they have a 7% uh, obesity rate compared to wow. the rest of the yeah the rest of the United States is closer to um, 30%. It's getting to 30% now. Uh, and the reason is, is that if you look at the lifestyle of the Amish, uh, they walk everywhere. Uh, they don't all the time. Working all the time. They don't use power tools. Everything's hand tools. So their energy expenditures right. are so much more. Okay. Uh, and let's take a little look at the paleos, you know, our caveman ancestors. Uh, you know, you basically followed the game trails. You followed the game herds. Uh, you carried your house on your back. You didn't sleep in a controlled environment. Uh, you, you slept in tents, teepees, things like that. So there was a lot uh, more energy expenditure just in trying to survive. So um, when you compare that to today, let's look at our typical lifestyles today. Uh, you get up in the morning, you hop in your car, you drive an hour, an hour and a half to your office, you take the elevator up to your office, you climb into your cubicle, you sit there for eight hours working on a keyboard, then you leave the office, you get back in your car, you drive another an hour and an hour and a half. Yes. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, the whole day is gone. You try and eat some dinner. Maybe you got to take Bobby to soccer practice and Susie to gymnastics. And before you know it, it's 8 o'clock at night. You're sitting in front of the TV watching it, the news, this, that. How, what is that, Randy? House of Cards you watch? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You <laughs> some, somehow you're watching one of these shows, and then you go to sleep, and you start all over again. Yep. I mean, so when you compare the amount of energy you expended in that and compare it to the Amish or the Paleos, uh, you see how we're not expending the amount of energy necessary to maintain a healthy uh, lifestyle or body. Um, and that's why exercise is so much more important today as it was in yesteryear. Yesteryear, you It was you kind of were, built in. Yeah, it was a built-in thing. You were working. <laughs> uh, you had a manual job. Today, everything is automated. Everything is done technologically. Uh, so that means how do we expend that energy? How do we keep our muscles toned? Right. Um, which sounds great on paper, but here's the problem, is how do people get started in an exercise program? And more importantly, how do you exercise injury and not get hurt? Yes. I, I hear this all the time in the practice. Oh, yeah, I started working out. I tweaked my knee, I stopped, next thing I know it was a month later, I haven't done anything, yeah. I put on 12 pounds. So, you know, we're taking, we're doing the proverbial two steps forward, three steps back. And that's a big problem. And, and I, I've experienced this, and, and mm -hmm. as we sat around before the show launched today, I talked about the fact that I've trained uh, through 
athletics in high school and some in college um, with organized athletics. So, I mean, I was used to training at a fairly intense level, using a, a lot of weight and some high-intensity cardio kinds of things. So I was, as a young man, very, very fit and knew how to go about training, particularly with weights and things like that in a gym um, with some more dynamic movements and things like that that maybe novices don't do. But even knowing what I know about how, how to go about it, there were times as I got older, as you mm -hmm. described, life yeah. happens, you go through p phases, you get out of the habit for whatever reason, and uh, you take a break uh, that may or may not have been planned, and, and now you're not training for what turns into several months. Go back in, even using some lightweights, you can still get overuse injury pretty easily. It doesn't take a whole lot of repetitions. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of weight to virtually lock up <laughs> your yeah. shoulders or your joints, whatever it may be that you've trained. And I've experienced that pain firsthand. It's certainly discouraging. So I'm glad you brought your guest today. Introduce us to who you brought with us, because he's a fitness expert from what I understand and uh, can shed some light on this. Yeah, I'm, uh, Randy Nicholson is uh, uh, somebody I've known. I consider him a friend. Uh, we've known each other now for 12 years. Um, in a recent article that I wrote, I, I used one of Randy's quotes, which is, ignore your health and it will go away. Yeah, I saw their blog post yeah, that you yeah. had on the science blog. Yeah, and uh, it's so true. And um, it, I would like to say I'm more diligent in working out than I have been, but I've had several medical illnesses that have really curtailed my uh, ability to exercise and I'm finally getting back after two-year hiatus. But uh, one of the ways that I'm able to exercise effectively is because of the work I do with Randy. Randy really has um, shown me how to keep my muscles injury-free mm -hmm. uh, by rolling out different techniques. Uh, and if I do have something that is hurting me, he could diagnose it right away and remedy the situation. My wife works with a, a large company here locally, and they have fitness trainers, um, and she's linked up with them a time or two. And so often they start you out, they move you from one, one machine to the next, and boom, right. boom, boom, and get you in. So I'm certainly interested to hear somebody's take on how to do that without getting all sore right. and want to stop. What I do is a, it's called functional training, which you know is kind of the buzzword now. It's been out for a while, and it seems like every big gym – is uh, trying to integrate that into their system now with their personal trainers and stuff. And it's kind of, you know, as CrossFit has gotten bigger, everybody's going toward that mindset because you're not using machines and you're using your body weight and you're using a lot of dynamic movements. But what happens is, is you'll take um, the average, let's say 30, 35-year-old, even 40-year-old, <clears throat> they get off the sofa and they haven't been working out. And now they've gotten, you know, they got a buddy – that's been doing CrossFit or, you know, some of these other type things out there. Not, not that I'm, you know, digging on CrossFit or whatever, but um, they just don't do – they take the average person, they get them off sofa, and they've been in a box for so long, you know, working, driving in a car, and they start doing all these dynamic movements without doing a an assessment per se where, you know – as you do these jobs and you're sitting in, at a desk for so long, you start getting um, to where you're kind of in a box and you don't have the range of motion and stuff. So mm -hmm. what I do with people is I bring them in, I do an assessment on them, and it's called a, uh, a movement screening, you know, um, FMS, functional movement screen that's been developed. So what that does, it takes and allows me to see all the little, um, you know, muscle imbalances and posture dysfunctions on somebody. So you take a good athlete, just like yourself, for instance, you were an athlete, you can overcome a lot of stuff for a good bit of um, time, and then eventually you start having a breakdown. Mm -hmm. And now that could be, you know, <clears throat> it could have been, excuse me, it could have been doing a sit-up or something or an overhead press, and all of a sudden, boom, something happened. Well, what doing the FMS helps me do is it, it um, allows me to see all the dysfunction, and so then I start building a road for you to start going down your, you know, to get you in your fitness shape. So, and the long story short, where most people just jump in and start doing stuff, and they're like, oh, I was so sore, you know, and it makes them feel good because they were so sore. I'm like, well, that's 
that makes no sense to me where you should bring somebody in and they should feel just a little bit, but I'm looking at how their body moves. And then over a period of time, you just keep getting them to where they're moving better and better. And then they get stronger and it keeps them from being injured. Uh, the one thing that I do that a lot of people doesn't do is um, I'm into uh, self-myofascial release. So I've invented this roller and it's uh, I call it my golf ball roller. I invented it about 12 years ago. When I came up with it, the only thing out there was the foam roller and the stick. So yes. now there's so many pieces out there. Yeah. And so, which is great because the population is starting to understand how beneficial rolling out is. And rolling out to me is like you're, when you get through working out, you roll out and it helps release the lactic acid out of your muscles and keep you from getting trigger points. And so uh, muscle adhesions and stuff. So it keeps you from having little pains in your knees and your shoulders and your back and stuff. Um, and when you do that on, on a regular basis, it really keeps you pain-free. And the one thing that I do is I'm able to recognize, like say Andrew comes in, he's like, hey, Randy, I can't do a squat today. My knee's hurting. Instead of like limiting him to no squats, I'll, I'll go to the trigger point and get it to release and we can get him to where his knee's not hurting then. You know, so it's kind of like we get a hold of it right then and knock it out. So what you're saying is that there is real good value in the roller. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just mine, any of them. <laughs> and I know? assume, and I probably know the answer to this, but I'm assuming that if it hurts a lot when you're doing it, it means you need to do it. <laughs> right, exactly. So if you if you start rolling out a muscle and you're like, oh, that hurts so bad, yes. well, there's pretty much a trigger point. I, 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 can, I can attest to that fact. Oh, um, my goodness gracious. We there, laugh at home. And, and there are times when we're at the gym. And I mean, any one of us, uh, the participants, not Randy, is like, okay, roll out your glute. And you're like, and all of a sudden you hear people whining and crying like babies. Yes. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Yes, it's you unbelievably know, yeah, uh, you know, uncomfortable. But, but then, you know, with time, it's like, oh, okay, now I can do things I didn't do. Um, you know, uh, my wife, Sandra, has actually done a little bit of work with Randy. She's working with a different trainer now, but a lot of the stuff that she did initially with Randy had really helped her. This is a woman um, two years ago thought that her knees were shot and, mm -hmm. and never really had a serious injury to her knees. But, you know, um, desk job, two children, uh, here she was in her late 40s, and she's like, I, I can't, you know, my knees hurt, my knees hurt, my knees hurt. Well, Randy found out it was just the quadriceps that were just so tight, uh, full with lactic acid. Yeah. And, and muscle imbalance. And I mean. Muscle imbalance. and Meaning the muscle ahead. on this side of the on the front or the side to the middle is stronger than the other side, and so it starts pulling stuff at a different right. angle than it should. That and when somebody sits at a desk and, you know, for a long period of time, they start using uh, losing the glute and, uh, and hamstring engagement. So it's kind of like almost like it goes to sleep. So the quads become very dominant, so they just kind of stay engaged all the time, you know. And so then be people become very afraid of doing squats, where to me, if you can't squat, then you're almost, you become an invalid. So every everything you do in life has has to do with a squat. So what I do is, is start teaching people how to do a deep squat, you know, way past parallel, getting you to where you're comfortable with that. And when I say a squat, I don't mean putting a bar on your back doing squats. I mean doing a squat with your body weight going up and down. Okay. You know, and, and when it's done correctly and you, you start conditioning the brain to right, make the right muscles fire, it becomes easy. And then, therefore, then you have full range of motion, and it almost makes it makes you feel younger then. You know, the, the one thing that makes anybody feel old is when they get to where they can't move. You know, so that's one of the big things that we do is really get everybody to squat. And I've had people come in, the doctor told me not to squat, because my knees were bad. I'm like, yes, but he's talking about with a bar on your back in certain ways. So we do it with uh, some, you know, with some assistance and taking the body weight off and then starting to add it to it as they get stronger. So I see. So when a person, say, we'll just use me, for example, because I need to get myself back in the gym. It's been probably, I don't know, at least six months since okay. I was pressing weights. Um, is that from the approach... Should you, as a as a person, maybe they're even less active historically than I am. They're they're they haven't done it. They've gotten some motivation now. They want to go. 
should you start out with particular things in terms of types of training? Should you start out and just build up your general fitness level by doing some things like either a, a treadmill, just walking on a treadmill, get well, some fitness level up a little bit well, first? Well, you know, or? and that, that sounds sensible in a, in a way, but you take someone who hasn't been doing anything and they just start walking on the treadmill. Yeah. Well, you've got so many muscle imbalances and posture dysfunction that walking on a treadmill can start causing low back pain and stuff. And okay. when I say walking on a treadmill, it could be walking on a trail, it could be walking on the sure. sidewalk. Because what happens is they lose, and it's I see it all the time with people who work eight-hour jobs and sit in a car for a long period of time, the glute and hamstring pretty much go to sleep, and they, it quits working the way that it should. So therefore, you start using the uh, hip flexors, the quads, and even your calves then become what makes your hamstring and glute work. You know, So it takes over the hamstring and glute function, and you look at the calf, the calf is nowhere near as big as the glute and hamstring. So... Then you start getting chronic, you know, issues in your neck and stuff because your calves are so tight. So little things like that it is. And so, you know, anybody that's in their 40s and above, well, all you remember is the bodybuilding, you know, stage where when we grew up in high school, all I did was bench press and squat, you know, yep. and, and bicep curls. And that's all you knew, you know. So you got to get out of that, out of that, you know, way of thinking and then um, and start doing some stuff where you're just moving out of the box. And that's kind of what I say with somebody that comes in. Hey, we're going to move out of the box. We're going to get you to where you move out of that box that you're in 24-7. You know, and once that starts happening, the body starts reacting and getting all these, you know, uh, stabilizer muscles to start firing and quit using all the primaries and get all the, everything else involved. And when that happens, the body starts to function better, you know. So you're talking about primaries and, and secondaries and, you know, things like that right. as it relates to our muscle groups. Can you kind of shed some light if, if a person hasn't been around the gym or done any right. training? What does that mean exactly so that they can kind of begin to conceptualize and go, oh, it's not my knees. It's just that right. this or that was stronger or weaker so than the you other. Take, you take the primary muscle groups, which, you know, for instance, let's take the biggest ones, our quads and our, you know. So if your quads are staying engaged all the time, meaning they're not getting any help from their glutes and hamstrings, um, they tend to stay almost like flexed all the time. So think about walking around with a bicep flexed all the time. How, mm -hmm. you know, how crazy is that? So that's what your quads are doing because your brain never shuts them off. It thinks the whole time it needs to stay engaged just to keep you upright because of the imbalance in the muscles. So that starts causing a posture dysfunction as well. So is that causing that like a change in the, the tilt of the of your like right. pelvic girdle or something right. like that? So that and then it changes the, the uh, position of your head and neck because the body wants to stay upright. So if I'm starting to pitch forward, then my head's gonna lean back or, you know, vice versa. And that's where people start to get a lot of neck pains and stuff like that. So um, what I do is I'll take and look at somebody and go, okay, here, here, can you see this right here? This is what we're going to work on. Just the way your foot turns out, you know, that's saying something. It's a kind of a pattern. Okay, that means this glute's not firing right, stuff like that. And it, it sounds complicated, but it's very simple when you start to look at it. And I can make people see that, you know, and then they start to understand, oh, I get it. And then they start moving better as we go through this process. Usually it takes about two weeks to a month to get somebody to where they can get right back on track instead of throwing them in there into the fire and think, hey, yeah. if no pain, no gain. Well, that's, you know, it's crazy. But I grew up that way, too, you know. Yes. You know, so it's and, um, you know, and I, I'm I come from a martial arts background. So my thing is we used to do everything with body weight. So and you had to be flexible and you had to be able to move everything. So uh, that's what I try to do with clients is to get them to where they can move again. And the majority of my clients are in their mid-40s to late-60s, you know. And when, when it's, it's so, um, you know, exciting for me to see a woman who's in her mid to late-60s doing some plyometric stuff, and she can't believe she can do it, you know. And I'm like, where? She had a back problem a year ago, you know, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, so... And that's what you see in my studio a lot. And Randy, you know, again, um, th this is very, very important for today's society. Uh, you know, we're, we're you know we're not going to go backwards uh, as far as te technology is concerned. I, I mean, we're just going to keep advancing more and more forward. Uh, so that means we're going to have more desk jobs, right? And because of that, and as Randy pointed out, if, uh, you know, 
from an evolutionary point of view, where, you know, our, our ancestors were walking bipedally all the time, and they maintain a really solid core because they were walking, squatting, jumping, running, all of this. And now all of a sudden, those muscles, which really haven't changed from an evolutionary point of view, uh, are now not being used properly because we're sitting down so much. What happens? The core becomes weak. As Randy says, your glutes and your hamstrings are not as toned as they should be. And you get the pelvic tilt, you get a lot of lower back pain. Uh, I see this a lot in my practice. Everybody comes in, lower back hurts, I can't do this. Uh, You know, I try. And uh, so, again, based on that, and Randy, I just want to know if you can just talk very briefly about the importance of strengthening the core. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, you hear core strength, you know, that's – I remember back when I was training doing this stuff and nobody knew what core strength was. It was kind of like the new buzzword, you know, with functional. (laughs) And uh, so – and people still to this day think, oh, well, I can do a plank or I do crunches. They're doing core strength. I'm like, that's – you know, that's very limited amount of core strengthening exercises where – so much of core strength has to do with your feet and doing single leg stuff. You know, okay. um, you would never think about that because so you So like think, your obliques and things like that right. you have to keep your balance with. Right. And so we think because of the way stuff we've been, you know, uh, kind of structured is like everybody thinks, oh, core is doing crunches on the ball and having a six pack. But that's not the case where uh, dealing with a lot of runners and stuff, they think uh, just because they go run – then they should be able to keep their craft up well. And then they start getting a little bit of pain in their knee or their low back or plantar fascia, whatnot. So much of that is caused by a weak core because they don't focus on doing anything other than that, you know, one motion of uh, – or one lateral – or I'm sorry. They're just running, so they're not doing anything out of the box side to side. So, um, And it's funny, I just had a, uh, I just did a roller seminar today on how to roll out, and everybody in there was runners, and they've all got either knee pain, plantar fascia, or uh, shin splints, or something like that. And all of that is because their core is weak, and none of them really work out. All they do is run. So um, if if you're a runner, the best thing you could do is get and start doing some core strengthening stuff. And I don't mean crunches. I mean doing some, <laughs> you know, get online and look up some single leg type stuff, okay. single leg movements. You know, there's a thing that, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but created this thing called the Matrix. And it's all three planes of motion you put into an exercise. And it's a it's a side, side lunge, a transverse lunge, and a step back lunge or a front step lunge, you know. And when you do that, you're creating all the muscle patterns to work there. So you get your core engaged doing that. And so I tell people who run, do this before you run. It's a great warm-up. And then when you go run, then you've already got all the muscles firing before you, uh, you get all warmed up. Fitness expert Randy Nicholson from the Fitness Firm Studio and Dr. Andrew Puglisi are joining us in studio today. We're sharing some information for you folks out there who, like myself and my wife, are uh, thinking, dude, we got to get back out on the road. we got to get back in the gym. Mm-hmm. And ironically, it's, it's sad. I guess it's just a function of my age and, and, uh, and the fact that I've not been strength training in a little bit. But I've never really had issues as, a, as an athlete with my lower back. And yep. that's where I'm at right now. I can go out. I can, I can go out and yeah. walk, or I can go out and do some running, and I'll have a little bit of mild spasm in the lower back. That could be something as simple as having a trigger point in your uh, your gracilis muscle or in your inner thigh adductor type thing. You know, something that simple because when you've got a trigger point, it doesn't allow the muscle to function the way it should, and it can cause pressure in a joint. So you're walking and you're dragging that leg instead of it functioning the way it should. And so therefore, the more steps you take, the more pressure it starts to put in another part of your body, which would be your low back. So when you say a trigger point, that's not something that I really fully understand. Okay, so a trigger point is when you've got muscle fibers in your, let's say it's in your leg, and for whatever reason, your body's always trying to rejuvenate itself. So muscle fibers can easily grow, you know, as they're restructuring, can easily pinch on a nerve and start to cause a spasm. And as that spasm gets worse and worse, it just makes a bigger knot in the muscle. 
So therefore, it shuts, it causes it to start to engage and pull from each direction. To try to protect itself. Right. And then you can't stretch through that. It's got to be kind of massaged out or what I call digging it out, you know. <laughs> and that's what you do with a roller or something or either have a, a massage therapist or somebody dig it out. Um, so as that sets up more and more, it can cause inflammation in a joint either in front of it or behind it. You know, it could be your knee or it could be your hip because of that pressure pulling on it all the time. So it can never release. Randy, uh, you you touched on something uh, that uh, I remember a couple of months ago in the gym. Uh, you did a great explanation. I want you to expand on that. You said something you can't stretch out. Uh, again, oh, okay. we've grown. I grew up. Charles grew up. You grew up in that era where... In order to be flexible, you had to stretch. Yep. Right. Uh, the concept that you gave with how stretching could be harmful in some ways is you take a piece of rope, you knot it up. Well, if you pull on it, stretch right. it, you're going to make that night, that right. knot I much, injured my groin one time by yeah. doing a groin stretch. Yeah, overstretching and, it. And it really, you're not addressing the true problem right. there. You're just making it worse. Right. So it, can you elaborate on well, that? Well, and that's the thing. So uh, like you're saying, take a, knot, take a rope and tie a knot in it, and then you pull it from either end. Well, the knot only gets tighter, so you have to dig that knot out to get it to release. Same thing with a muscle. I mean, it's just a lot of muscles are like rope, you know, and, and guide wires, what I tell people. Um, so and the thinner the muscle is and the more ropier it is, the more it's going to pull. So you take uh, like a glute muscle or a, uh, or a quad, they're kind of big and kind of spread out. Where you take the, the adductors and the inner thigh, that's more like a rope, and it pulls. And that's where you can get a lot of low back pain. Just, and it's never where the pain is is the problem. That's where so many people mess up. And that's kind of where I have this concept of, with my kinesiology background and everything, is I can go to where, like, say, Andrew says, hey, I got a pain in my elbow. Well, I'm not going to go to his elbow. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It's more or less in the tricep, you know, or if he's got a, as crazy as it sounds, he's got a rhomboid or in his shoulder blade pain. And a lot of people who sit at a desk all the time get that to where they've got that pain in their their, uh, shoulder blade. Well, to me, that's the opposite calf. And people look at me like, you're crazy, (laughs) you know, but uh, time and time again, I see it. And even on myself, I'll I'll dig that out and it's the pain goes away. So it's kind of like the spider web. Your body is, you know, one thing is connected to the other. So we've gotten in here and now we've we've highlighted the fact that clearly there's there's, you know, interconnectability between muscle systems that that. Even, you know, that I can get neck pain from a problem with my calf. Exactly. Um, And, um, you know, I can get back pain from a problem with my calf or things like that. So for the person who's listening to this, I I find this, I'm I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I think it's excellent information because we could end up helping a lot of people become active who just didn't believe that they could. So it's really cool. Um, So for our last half of the show, maybe we should kind of try to line out a strategy. Clearly, the best advice that we can give is to try to link up with someone such as yourself who can give them some some measure of uh, strategic guidance. But as as I've experienced, and and Julie has as well firsthand, uh, my wife, where you get linked up with the fitness trainer, the fitness trainer's like, okay, let's go. We're going to yeah. jump on this uh, bench machine. We're going to jump on, on the lap machine. Come on, let's yeah. go. And you go home going, oh, my God. Yeah. So what are questions? We'll start at that point. If I'm going getting ready to get started, if I don't have the, um, the luxury of being able to join you at right. the studio uh, because it's far away, right. how, how should I approach my conversation with a trainer if I, get, if I can use that uh, resource? Okay, so, and, and I see this, I go to uh, a couple gyms and do some spin classes uh, just because for winter training, I race mountain bikes. So winter training, a lot of times I can't get out, so I'll go do some spin classes, and I'll watch some of the trainers doing stuff with people. And I'm like, it blows my mind that they're doing certain things that the uh, the body just shouldn't be doing. If you're looking at the person, the way their kinetic chain, it just it does, doesn't work. So... Um, working with most fitness professionals, what I would do, you know, they're going to be like a hard, you know, kind of a hard sell. Let's get you in here. Let's get you in shape. And they're focusing more on the, on the, you losing weight, you doing stuff like that. It doesn't need to be so much focus on you losing weight right off the bat. 
It needs to be getting your body to where it can move again. So uh, a question I would ask if it was a trainer. So I'd say, hey, Andrew, you want to be my trainer, so what are we going to do first? Are we going to just go and start benching and doing leg presses or something like that, or are we going to do crunches? What's the deal? And the person should respond back. The trainer should be like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how you move. I'm going to look at how your body moves through five or six different exercises, and then that's going to give me a blueprint as to how I can train you. All right, number one, I'm going to see if you can squat and how you squat. If you squat and you lean forward and your knees cave in and you can't go all the way down, well, that's a big red flag for me that your core is so weak and your calves are so tight. So we've got to figure out a way to get your body to move like that before we go anywhere else. Okay. And and I would not even do a bicep curl with that person until I got them to where they could squat and stuff. Because, number one, you start tightening up the bicep, so it tightens up the shoulders. And then it just kind of links down, you know. So uh, you got to look at it from that standpoint where – you know, the the person who's wanting to start, like yourself, CW, you're wanting to start working out again, and you go to this trainer, and he's like, oh, let's go do bench, let's go do curls. we got to get you in shape. we got to get those 10 pounds off of yep. you or whatever, yep. you know. that's Don't be looking for that. Tell so, that person, I want to be able to move. Are there particular credentials that they should ask um, for or training or philosophy as far as training goes that would kind of help them weed out uh, somebody that's just – they can help me do right. curls. Yeah, I, like with me, I'm a NASM, um, National Strength and Sports Medicine. So uh, there's certain ones, and there's so many out there. So um, most of this, the ones that have, that have that certification, have been taught a lot about the, um, you know, um, rolling out and understanding what it means to be able to move out of the box. And the head guy that used to be with them back when I first started doing it, uh, Mike Clark and and uh, he was a, a PT, so he you know set this whole thing up around. It's about being able to move. It's not just about looking good, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the thing that you want to get to where you can do. Yeah, uh, I want to jump in here just uh, because uh, being the old dog in this group right now, <laughs> um, it, you know, sometimes the mindset is a little different. Uh, as Randy said, most of his clients, uh, actually he's got a subclass there too, but most of his clients, uh, me included, are mid-40s to late-60s. But he also does do some training right. with uh, high school students that are um, very active in different uh, type of sports mm-hmm. and have suffered injuries, and he's working through those injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point I'm trying to make here is uh, – and this is for our listeners that are, are the, well, I don't know, every, it seems like every five, ten years they change the age of middle age. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I'm middle age now. Yeah. Okay, so at 57. Uh, but we think we're 22. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And I think also that's some of the stuff that comes out when uh, people go to these trainers and they say, yeah, we want you to look good. We're going to jump. And your mindset is like, yeah, I can do this. You know, I, I did it back when I was in college, right. uh, forgetting that college was 35 years ago. And so uh, that's a problem. And I think that's where a lot of the reality has to come from ourselves, where it's like, and what Randy's keying in on, we have to, before we can do anything else, we have to move better. Right. All right. You got to get those muscles to work properly before you could start really exercising those muscles. So learn how to crawl before you run. Too. And, yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that that's a big challenge for a lot of folks. Yeah. I know for me included, it's not wanting yeah. to just charge into actually giving yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. th- I assume that for many people, it'll feel like when they first get started, sounds like with somebody like you, that's going to really gradually mm-hmm. do some things in a, in a stepwise process that in, in the early days, it may feel mm-hmm. like I'm really not doing anything. Right. right. And that's what I, I'm always reaffirming with them is like, look, I said this, give it a little bit of time. I said, we've got to build this foundation before we start building this house. You know, so if you got a good solid foundation then you're not going to have any pain and stuff, you know. And, I mean, as athletes and stuff, like I've been an athlete my whole life, and I've always, you know, you're always going to wake up with some little something. So, But I'm almost 50, and I'll, 
I race mountain bikes. I do so much stuff all week long, and I'm never hurt because of the stuff that I know what to do and, you know, know how to keep it because I have a solid foundation. So, uh, yeah, most people think that they're just not getting anywhere, but after a month, you'll, they'll start just taking off and flying. So it's, there's no quick fix, you know, and that's what we've got to get out of our heads. So we're, we're talking with Randy Nicholson from the Fitness Firm Studio, uh, fitness expert certified uh, in, in a number of things around sports medicine. And we've also got uh, Andrew Puglisi with us. We're having a great conversation helping those of us out here who need to get active again uh, and, and regain our level of fitness and, uh, and just our, our sense of wellness. So we go through, we, we talk to our fitness expert, we learn that they're somebody that's going to do it stepwise, they're going to evaluate how well I move, do I have right. some flexibility, identify spots where I'm lacking flexibility, whether it's hamstring, quad, whatever it may be. Um, how, how do you approach the flexibility issue? Because I'm sure, I know for me, I've, I've not been doing any kind of right. flexibility, kind of stretching kind of stuff. And as I mentioned earlier, you can certainly hurt yourself by trying to go, right. I, I haven't done, you know, the, the quad or the, the groin stretch where you sit in the floor, you spread your legs out and right. you start bending down. You can just go, bing, you can break a string, and uh, break one of your springs and pretty soon you got a groin injury. So how do you break into increasing your flexibility when should you do it in your workout? I see some people that right. do it at the first part. Should they do it after they finish? When you know, talk about that. Yeah, kind and of that's piece. the thing. You know, you get you get so many different uh, theories on that. And um, with me, it's like I kind of tell people, like, okay, think about if you just took a piece of a steak out of the freezer, would you start trying to bend it or cut it? You couldn't. So you almost want to defrost it. Let's say. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you don't want to stretch a muscle until you've got some heat in it. And that's the thing about rolling and what people are starting to learn with rolling. As you're rolling your muscles out prior to working out, you're putting heat in there because you're getting that blood to flow. So roll out a few minutes, and then it puts heat into the muscle. Then you can do some stretches. I'm not big into, even though my background's martial arts, and I'm very flexible and I've been able to do a full split and everything, but um, you I'm not so big into stretching because so many people have issues more from a posture standpoint to where they shouldn't be stretching certain ways. Okay. So by rolling the muscle, it's kind of like uh, a wrinkled shirt. You wouldn't try to stretch the wrinkles out of a shirt. You wouldn't iron it out. Okay. So that's the way I tell people, I'm like, let's analogy. iron that muscle out. And then, you know, the flexibility will come as we get the posture and the muscle imbalance is straightened out. So. That's kind of where I address the flexibility issue. There's only a couple stretches I do with people. So one's calf, and one is a, a hamstring stretch, but not like the typical runner stretch hamstring. I'll do it from a kind of from a, a standing split position. And therefore, you don't get the hips out of alignment. Everything is equally stretching. You know, So you know how like some people do a runner stretch where they got one leg out? Yes. Well, if you've got some tight muscles in your hamstring that are going to pull your hips, you could easily get your vertebrae to move a little bit to compress a disc and make it bulge and touch the sciatic nerve or something. So that's the reason why I don't do that. I see. So it's kind of, you know. So your best recommendation then is to do a little bit of some kind of activity to kind of get my blood flowing, right. then get down on the floor and do some roller. rolling. Rolling, oh, yeah. God, and the rolling so is. to hear that. Yeah. Just, oh, it's going to hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah. It hurts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when... <laughs> The calves, people stretch their calves and they haven't done anything. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't do that. The calves pull so much. Oh, uh, okay. amen. They can tear um, your feet. Yeah. So uh, we just went through that a couple of months ago with me. Uh, yeah, Andrew had a, had an issue. And uh, I mean, anything he would do that would uh, make his hamstring engage would pull and his groin. And we finally, uh, through having him roll out a certain few places and stuff and getting his core a little stronger, now exercises that would kill him a few months ago, have no effect on him at all from yeah. a pain standpoint. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah. as far as learning how to do a roller, again, you know, I know that some of our people are going to be like Andrew. They'll be able to link up with folks like yourself, yeah. and it may be fortunate enough to link up with you. Yeah. Um, and they'll have some direct guidance. But uh, in terms of being able to do those rollers correctly, because I'm sure you can probably do some measure of damage right. if you don't do it right. So can you give some advice on where well, to go? YouTube, I guess? Yeah, there's so much stuff on YouTube now, and I mean, and on every kind of way to roll, and, and uh, the knowledge is out there now. So many people are doing it right. Do you have a place, a source of information for something like that that you would consider reputable? Not, uh, 
Not in particular, but Your there's studio. A, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me. Call me. <laughs> or get on my Facebook page and I'm I'm starting to uh I'm actually trying to develop an app on uh, how to uh how to roll out and certain pain trigger points and stuff. Interesting. To uh you know, you look on there and you go to it and it tells you if you're hurt if you're if you got IT band where to roll. And so many people little things like that, like IT band becomes a big issue with people. Randy and they're uh, doing it exp- wrong. Explain IT bands. I mean, it's a, a one of those terms that's getting thrown out, but I don't think a lot of people actually understand what's yeah. involved. Well, it's like a lot of people will go, "Hey, my my IT band is hurting," which is the outside of their knee, you know, and it's usually from running. And so what they think, well, the outer part of my leg is tight, so they start trying to stretch that. And when they start stretching that, they actually cause the issue to be worse. Or if they start to row the outside of their leg, they're putting more pressure on that muscle, so it even puts more tension on it. Where to me, again, it's never where the pain is. So the pain isn't, the problem isn't on the outside of the knee. The problem is on the inside of the leg. So what I have somebody do is to row their adductor and their inner thigh just above the knee. And as soon as they touch it, they're like, oh, it's so painful. And they didn't know that that knot was in there. And I can get rid of it pretty pretty easily. You know, the thing is, is most time people have had that for a long period of time have a lot of inflammation, so it takes a little time to get that to uh, go away if they've had a long time. So, But if it's fairly new, it goes away pretty quickly. We're talking a lot about rolling. Clearly that plays a major role in being Clearly. able to get our muscles um, positioned and in shape to be able to move effectively and efficiently. Um, how much can I do by myself? How much requires someone else doing it for me? No, no. it's And, and that's my whole reason why I developed mine was – I want you to be able to do this to yourself. I don't want you to have to go to somebody and have them do go to a massage therapist. Who can who can go to a massage therapist every day? You know, most people go maybe once a month or once a year. But if you can have your own massage therapist and that's you doing it to yourself, then it's so beneficial. And to me, you should roll out every day. Okay. If not multiple times a day. If you're a beginner at it, you should do it twice a day. How long should you do and, it in the session? At least 10 minutes. I mean, the way kind of my guideline is like if you work out an hour, you need to spend 10% of that time rolling out at the end. Okay. So, you know, if you worked out two hours, I want you to spend 20 minutes, you know. So, like if I do a two-hour mountain bike ride, then at the end of it, I'm rolling out for 20 minutes at the minimum. You know? And so you just do that like in front of the television, I guess, right. to, or to just kind of integrate Whenever it into I get life? off the bike, I'll take my helmet off, lay it down, and I'll start rolling my legs out. Because you can do it, you know, standing up. You know, because mine is a, you know, it's a uh, a stick, so you're able to do okay. it without having to. We get call down that the, the torture stick, right? The torture <laughs> stick. So, um, <laughs> the active health roller. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, potato, so, potato. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that, you know, it's funny. I had a discussion with uh, somebody today about it. And I was like, we we spend so much time on our craft, and we never spend any time on recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the benefit is doing the recovery. All right, so mm-hmm. now if with when we get into the gym and we're doing some things like you're talking about, we go through that uh, initial process where we're kind of really focused on priming the muscles to be able to move. We've worked on enhancing our flexibility with the rolling um, and uh, maybe one or two uh, gentle stretches that you've described. But when it comes to moving weights, I assume that some measure, even if it's body weight, but right. moving some sort of resistance is important. At least it has proven to be so for me over time. Um in terms of how much to right. kind of ease yourself in, I mean, at what point, obviously some measure of soreness after a training, particularly right. in the early phases, you can potentially expect that, but it shouldn't be just like, oh my God, I'm so sore. Right. And you don't want to get to that point and you shouldn't, but you know, everybody's different. Um, I know if I've, if I've been setting up for a race or something or, um, and I haven't done, uh, some leg movements in a while, my legs get sore really bad, but for some reason, I don't know why that is for me, uh, but some people never get really that sore. But you should be, the first workout is going to kind of like, I, I tell people like, hey, this is getting the rust off. We're going to get get in there and make it just a little sore, you're getting the rust off. The next two times after that, you should be able to just step it up a little bit at a time. Um, I've got a new girl that just started last week, and she was in today. And the difference between her first workout and today's workout was, you know, uh, probably 50% better because she 
wasn't scared. She understood what I was trying to get her to because she had been with other trainers and she had done stuff that where her neck was hurt and she was kind of nervous about it. So made her feel better about it, got her to where she felt comfortable about it, got her moving better. And the improvement is there. So the next time she comes, it's even going to be that much better. So I'm like, hey, we're just constantly building and tweaking and adding to it. Um, so, And her soreness, she had a little soreness. This time she's probably going to be a little sore too. So we just keep mm-hmm. taking that level. Next thing you know, you're not feeling anything. And you, that doesn't mean you didn't work out because you didn't feel anything. Yeah. You know. Um, so for somebody like myself, um, my typical running regimen is – three, four days a week. Right. Um, when you layer in on top of that some resistance training, how, you, how should you break it down, do you think? You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, in my opinion, I think from an audience perspective, we're probably talking more to a group of people that right. look a lot like the people here in this room, 40s, right. 50s, oh. 60s. Right. Um, you know, so do you, do you have some recommendations for that person as a, as a volume? Yeah, and here's what happens. Just take yourself, for instance, you're – to you, if you go run, that's a workout, right? I mean, you're kind of like, hey, I feel good about going and running. I'm getting my cardio. I'm getting this and that. What you can do is you could add in a couple things in that run that adds resistance training. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, gr- come up on a, a lamp post and you're able to hang on to it and do some squats. Okay. Or you're able to find a park bench and you can do some elevated push-ups. Something that you can do without uh, overstraining certain stuff until your body gets to where it can move better. I mean, not everybody can do a push-up on the ground. And most people don't do them right when they do do them. So I'm, I'm big into elevated push-ups because it takes some weight off, you know. Same thing with the squats. Uh, um, stuff like that, you know, whether it's um, – so you build that into your run. That way you're getting both things. And in, in, in it's also feeding your mindset, oh, oh I worked out because I did a cardio thing, mm-hmm. too. The next thing you know, you're able to do more and more of that. So it sounds like in the early going, if you can find activities that are body weight oriented exactly, or even yeah. reduced yeah. body weight right. oriented because you're either supporting yourself with, like yeah. you talked about, a lamppost or maybe doing a decreased angle push-up yeah, push on up. a bench, yeah. for example, where you're pressing less resistance. Right. Um, that you can kind of modify and reduce and kind of contain the the level of intensity of the exercise, that that's the best approach. Yeah, and there's things out there. I mean, TRX is huge, you know, and it's 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 one of those tools that you could use to do those same things. It's You can do push-ups on it. You can do pull-ups. You can do squats. You can do all kinds of things. And it's it's one of these things that is designed to take weight off. And as you get stronger, you can add weight to it, body weight. And what is TRX? It's a it's a, a strap that you hook to something above you. It could be in a door frame. It could be some you know. So the a, resistance bands, more or less. No, or? it's not a band. This is it's a strap so that okay. you're able to walk your feet forward and backwards to add the weight to it. I got you. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a giant rubber band. Yeah, but like? it's it's a more like a nylon oh, strap there. Yeah, it's okay. A, like webbing. Okay. Yeah, we actually use it in. It's gym. not flexible. No. It's yeah. it's just. A, Right. Sturdy. It's just something you can adjust your body weight to. Okay. So, yeah, and it's something I came up with years before it came out. I just never did anything with it. So now I'm kicking myself. Because <laughs> it's, it's a huge product. Anyway, everybody uses it. Yeah. But, and, you know, we do it, you know, uh, we do pikes, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you're I'm, able to do all kinds of yeah. core exercises. You know, I'm in the too. remedial uh, class when it comes to pikes to compared to some of the other clients there where they're basically perpendicular to the floor or parallel to the floor and I'm kind of like at a 45 degree yeah. angle and you can take yeah. I mean even though it's five pounds if you do it right like I can I can put the hurt on people with five pounds but it's because I'm using their body weight against them you know and and doing it in a such a way that you know puts stress on it in that way so uh, it's funny too. Like I'll have some of these little 105 pound girls in my place lifting more weight than the guys, um, you know. And it's it's you know I'm like you got to check your ego at the door because of the way mm-hmm. we do it. That's so, probably hard oh, for a lot of folks to do as well to forget the, you know not I, worry about I it. I gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking with fitness expert Randy Nicholson from the fitness firm and Dr. Andrew Puglisi, who was kind enough to introduce us to him. And and uh, Andrew's yeah. been working with 
Randy uh, in the fitness studio, the fitness firm studio, uh, on his own level of fitness. So, Andrew, can you talk about your experience so far? You're, you, you're describing yourself kind of in the early phases. How long have you been doing it? And, and uh, uh, On and off for 12 years. Unfortunately, in that 12-year interim, um, I've had several um, medical issues that have taken precedent. Uh, one was a, a nerve sheet tumor that came off of uh, my spine and was uh, wrapped around my left femoral nerve. Mm. Matter of fact, um, I don't know if Randy remembers this, but in before it was diagnosed, I was working out with Randy and being left-handed and left-sided dominant, I was doing a one-legged squat. And I said, Randy, my left leg is not where it should be. And within a month, we found that I had this tumor. Um, wow. And then, uh, so that was pretty extensive surgery to remove it. And thankfully, uh, the neurosurgeons that I worked with down in um, uh, Emory University were able to preserve the nerve. So really, I have virtually zero residual damage from that surgery. But that laid me up for two uh, years. So uh, what's your typical... You know, walk me through kind of a typical picture of your of training day. Yeah. Training day, uh, after after dealing with patients all day long and my head's like ready to explode, um, I go to the gym, change into my workout clothes, and the first thing I do is pull out the rollers and roll out. The, the problematic areas for me are my calves. Uh, just a lot of knots in there and everything, and... Uh, Interestingly enough, I've been rolling them out now consistently for a good six months. I don't have the same type of knots I had. I'm right. doing, as Randy said before, I'm doing a lot of the things that initially I couldn't do. Like one of the exercises is pushing the sled. Okay. Because uh, that was probably really stressing your calves out a lot, I would I, imagine. I forget it. I could not do it. Yeah. Uh, it, it got and to the point where it hurt. And when we and, say pushing the sled, it's not a, you know, like a football sled that weighs hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's just a yeah. it's putting yourself in a right position. As he so, calls yeah. it, it's the equalizer. Mm -hmm. The equalizer. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. So, no, but I'm a, I'm actually able to do that now. Where again, and um, so then the way Randy sets it up, there's stations. Uh, it's not always the same routine. A lot of the exercises are pretty much set, but we do it at different intervals. We okay. do it at different sets. Mm -hmm. uh, Lately, it's 45 seconds, and you're doing three rounds yes. of exercises. Sometimes you do like a super, you know, a small set where you do four exercises, but you may do them four times in a row and then go to the next station and repeat it. Or sometimes you'll do the same exercises to uh, two 30-second intervals and then move on to the next station. Right. So, okay. it, you know, he, he, he likes to confuse yeah, so the there muscles. is so there is some yeah. val validity to that notion of keeping your muscles from adapting to whatever stress they're under. Oh yeah, under. I'm never. Um, the workout is pretty much different. I'm always. It's different every day. If you come in, you worked out the day before, it's going to be different to you the next day. And it's in a circuit, so I'm keeping it moving. But every person, like I may have six to ten people working out at the same time. Every person is different because they've all got different issues, so I'll make that exercise different for each person. And at the same time, I'm focusing on whatever that person's muscle imbalance or dysfunction was, so I'm working on getting that stronger in each exercise. So, And, and, and again, he does kind of look at what are your goals. You know, yeah. um, Randy has several uh, clients that are triathletes, uh, he has several that are uh, cyclists, you know, either mountain bike or road bike. Marathoners. Uh, yeah. Marathoners. Uh, and they all uh, see the importance of doing this type of training so that, as he said before, it improves their craft. You know, and if their craft is uh, doing these different type of sports, uh, you know, it really does help. Uh, he's, he's actually helped train Olympic athletes. So it's clear yeah. that the one thing you don't want to do is to go like me. I've, 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 I've trained in my past. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go join CrossFit because uh, that looks uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. I can only imagine. I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to walk yeah. by, the time the, I, by the time the training session was done. So 
to do those things. I mean, I'm sure that there's some measure of validity and value to that kind of training. Once yeah, you've sure. it, yeah. once you've pressed your level of fitness and muscular capacity up to a certain point, then I'm sure that that is some really great training. But you got to be more or less a high level athlete to 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 safely start that. Well, and here's the way I look at it. I'm like, you know, it's mostly it's you know 18 to 30. You know, if you're I know when I was when I was that age, I'd have been all over that stuff. I mean, I'd eat it up. And I've got friends that are older that do it, and I'm like, you know, you just you've got to be smart with it. Any workouts you do, I don't care what it is, you just got to be smart and work on your recovery. Whether it's CrossFit, whether it's you know stuff I do or whatever it is, the key is working on recovering, having the muscle recovery, and that's doing some sort of rolling or some sort of mild fascia release to get the toxins out of the body get that uh, lactic acid to release out of your out of your muscles so it doesn't matter you know again i'm not you know i i have my opinions on crossfit but i'm not blasting on them or anything sure it's just, i understand yeah, yeah. it's just a risky thing right. for the for the majority well, but of but us. again what what are we talking about you know it's almost sometimes i think with the crossfit uh crowd we're comparing apples and oranges yes right very uh, much so you know <clears throat> the 18 to 30 year old you know you know, full speed ahead. Yes. Uh, you know. And if you build yourself right. up as an older person to that point well, and you can safely do it, more right. power to you. My, my two boys, uh, you know, Alex and Andrew, <laughs> you know, 26 and 18 respectively, uh, they those guys would eat up CrossFit. Uh, you know, their dad, who, you know, has worked you know, kind of a sedentary job, even though it is physically demanding because you're on your feet, walking, sure. you know, and all that stuff. You're not, and again, most of our clients are behind the desk, sales jobs, and everything like this. Uh, you're not in. You're not in that uh, arena. The, the way too, I kind of explain is it, like, okay, you know that that classification is all about okay, the six pack, the big arms, and stuff like that. So here's the way I'm doing. It. Like, hey, it's great. You know, it's nice to have a nice sports car over here, but if the motor's blowed up in it. Yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. And we, we have, you know, with just a couple of minutes left, do you have some best advice? Sounds like uh, you mentioned the fact of rolling out at the end of my training session is right. a great thing to do. Anything else that you recommend to just recover? Drinking drinking, uh, drinking more water, it'll help flush out, you know, the lactic acid and stuff. But rolling, I mean, if you've only got five minutes, spend that time rolling. If somebody's got, one of my clients has, says to me, hey, I got to be out of here by 930. I'm stopping them 10 minutes short of what their workout would have been just so they'll roll okay. out. You know? Okay. So it just so shows you're just I won't let anybody walk is. out without rolling out. That's and kind of the biggest. With our, with our last minute, couple of minutes, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners out there kind of thinking about, uh, I've got to got to break back into if it. If you can uh, figure out some way, I don't care if it's a softball or baseball, take a small basketball, pump it up hard, roll out your calves every day and then stretch them and – if you've got some little pain, it, you spend two weeks doing that, it will it will uh, you know ease up or go away. How do folks get in touch with you if they want to try to link up with uh, you? Fitnessfirmstudio.com, uh, Fitnessfirmstudio Facebook, and uh, and that's about it. Yeah, and my numbers are on there. So okay, how about you, yeah. Andrew? Um, you know, again, all I'm going to say is that this is really important for today's society. We need to keep people. To get them more active. I mean, we've become so sedentary in such a short period of time in our society that, uh, and I'm not saying that this is the whole issue here as far as obesity, type 2 diabetes, and everything is concerned, but it is a major factor uh, along with eating properly and healthy. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've addressed that in, in previous sessions, but, um, you know, to prevent a lot of these injuries, prevent a lot of these illnesses. We got to get out and do more. But if we're going to do that, let's do it safely and effectively and understand what we're doing. Tell folks how they can get in touch with you because you've also got your blog out there too. Yeah, sinusitisblog.com. Um, yeah. Uh, that's about it right now. You can get in touch. How about with me the, practice? You, the practice? The uh, practice infectious disease consultants, and you can reach me at my number six seven eight nine nine zero one three eight three. That's yeah. Dr. Andrew Puglisi and Randy Nicholson. Thank you guys for making time. It's been a great discussion, in my opinion. I will have to have you back, Randy, to talk sure, yeah. some talk some more about you, how can somebody do some things in the workday. Maybe if they can't get to the gym, how can they start building some things in that uh, we can start moving more and getting ourselves in in a better shape. 
So I, I want to thank you both for making time. Thank if you've not done so already, make sure you link up with the Top Docs Radio uh, page on f- Facebook and Twitter. Where uh, our handle is Top Docs on BRX at both Twitter and Facebook. We make sure we tie in with all of our guests so that you can get information through them as well. Um, We'll be having these folks back. Dr. Yeah. Puglisi is going to be joining us on a regular basis. I look forward to talking about some uh, additional topics with him. If you go to his blog, you'll see he's got some outstanding information there about uh, your diet, uh, about uh, food and, and environmental allergies that might have a big impact on you or your loved one. So uh, we look forward to having him back. Make sure you make an appointment to see us same time, same place next week. 